Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 20th of August 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you make awfully good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com because there's so many audios for free download where you'll find that I try and piece together this big system you're born into. It's a massive system, well-organized, has been for well over a 100 years. And to show you the big organizations, the big bankers, the foundations they formed with the armies of non-governmental organizations and how really they are the official secret service of the world as well on top of that because they're all across the whole planet and they have massive quantities of money to pull from and to, to hire employees. They have hundreds and hundreds of think tanks working on every aspect of society, including all uh, the cultures of the future, the culture you have now was given to you. The culture they had in the 60s was given to them. And this is how it was done because it's a big uh, agenda to change the entire planet, including, again, the abolition of marriage. Of course, that's what the swinging 60s were all about. And is it getting pushed further today? Is it bringing a kind of brave new world scenario, depopulated at the same time? And uh, there's many articles in the paper today about uh, giving birth outside the human body. That's a big, big push in all mainstream media today. So help yourself to the audio as you'll learn an awful lot. Remember, they're all free for downloads. And you can get transcripts in English for print up too from all the sites listed on the com site. And you can go into alanwattsentinel.eu and get transcripts in other languages if you wish. Remember too, you are the audience who bring me to you. You can purchase the books and discs I have at cuttingthroughthemeters.com because they don't bring on advertisers as guests or sell you uh, items or make you last forever and turn your hair back to black or brown or whatever it was. And... Um, I depend on the listeners basically just to buy those things and donate. So from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase the books and discs or donates using personal check or international postal money order. You can also use PayPal or send cash across the world. You've got Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal once again. Remember, straight donations are awfully seriously welcome in, in these times because things are rising so quickly, especially in countries like Canada. We're paying twice the price for food up here than you are in the States. Now, We're going through, as I say, a massive agenda. It truly is a massive agenda, but it must always be portrayed to the public via the media that's all owned by big private organizations like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations. They own all of the media across the planet now because they have members in every country. They give you your prime ministers and presidents. And even Carl Quigley said that he was their private historian. And uh, he said that they've been doing it since the late 1800s. So the media's job is to put things over to you to make you think things are just happening in your lifetime by chance. And the big crises come along, including wars, and governments suddenly just have to debate and see what they need to do about it and deal with it at their leisure. But nothing is further from the truth because all the wars that you're going through were planned a long, long time ago. 
And we even have confirmation of this, not just from World War I and II, uh, through the big books by uh, Quigley and others. The books like uh, Foundations, uh, even that one, Foundations, their Power and Influence, excellent book to get a hold of to show you who's really running the world. But uh, you'll find that um, they have, as I say, hundreds of think tanks working on every single minute aspect of the cultural shifts, the cultural changes, to bring in a global society, which they term multiculturalism, but it's not really multiculturalism. That's simply to destroy the old dominant cultures and and the the new host nations. They're bringing in a new culture, of course, on top of it all, and everyone must go along with it. It's very politically correct to fit in with the whole Brave New World scenario that you're witnessing right now. You're all part of it. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix and talking about the big system we're born into, we live in, and how it really, really works. And it's just astonishing, as I say, when you get into the data and accumulated data, masses of it really going way back over a 100 years, again, about the big foundations that formed, a cabal of them. Obviously, they'd been around even before under different names because it wasn't certainly a new thing. And, uh, and how they officially came out in the open, at least in the late 1800s, early 1900s, to form their world societies. And they stated their goals. They backed communism. In fact, they helped create communism from the British side and financed it too. Because you've got to get change, and you can't get change without opponents, you see, and opponent systems. So we've been living through a massive agenda for an awful long time. Now, these guys also took credit for helping to foment World War One which they thought they would bring uh, would bring all the countries to their knees, give up their national sovereignty. And uh, and they were pretty confident about it too when Wilson rolled out the League of Nations. and um, But the U.S. citizenry wouldn't go for it. And that's why they, they wouldn't um, basically uh, go any further with it from the U.S. side. Although the U.S. did have appointments or appointed people on the board all through its existence until it turned into the United Nations for World War II. And even then, people who are propagandists for this big organization like H.G. Wells said the people haven't given up yet. They still want sovereignty, so we need another war if necessary. So we've had nothing but all these minor wars since then on, uh, right up to the present time. They don't call them wars now. They're policing actions, etc., stability or uh, actions and so on. But you're living through a big agenda to standardize the world. That's the key to it, standardization. Not the same old world either where you could sort of be friends with everybody across the planet. That's the image that they give to the, the lower armies that they employ in social areas. But a completely different world of control, total control, authoritarianism, in fact. And the Club of Rome, the think tank for the United Nations, uh, came out and said that, where basically democracy would never work. Now, they'd use the term democracy until they've got the whole world under their belts, and then, of course, they'd just phase in this authoritarian society. What do you think you're living through now with all the ID things going on and the checking at airports, now going into bus uh, stations and trains and so on? And x-rays and all. What do you think that is? Let's say that's authoritarian. And uh, you've you got to get used to it too, say, because it's going to be permanent in your lifetime and, and beyond. 
So we're living through massive changes again, and everything that's happened uh, since 9-11, including 9-11, was all projected to happen. Otherwise, they couldn't kick the whole thing off into this new system worldwide. Now, an article here is mentioning why Afghanistan's past is being rewritten. Now, whenever they go into another country like Iraq or Afghanistan or anywhere, they always bring in UNESCO from the United Nations and a whole bunch of other ones, and then start teaching one generation of children a different history altogether. And they eradicate the old history. Now, that's, that's happened in your own countries out there too, in the West, by the way. Uh, John Dewey was part of the big school that was sent in to America, for instance, to rewrite history for, uh, for American school children. Britain got the same thing too. So this says why Afghanistan's past is being rewritten. Uh, and it says here that um, the education ministry has endorsed a new history curriculum for school ch- students that deletes nearly four decades of the country's war Torn, torn past. The government says textbooks based on the new curriculum will help bring unity in a country traditionally polarized along ethnic and political lines. But critics accuse ministers of trying to appease the Taliban and other powerful groups by raising history that portrays them in a bad light. They say the government is trying to win over the Taliban before NATO and U.S. forces leave the country. Well, Dewey said that. He says all the negative parts that would not let them bring in, blend into this global society, all the negative parts would simply be eliminated from the history books, and that's what they're doing. And out of that generation that will grow up, they'll pick the leaders when they're very young, by the way. The special organizations at the United Nations that pick young leaders, train them to be the future leaders of their country. And they're very PC again and, and, and very, very tough they're trained to be. So we live through a planned world change. It's a planned society. Everything is planned long in advance. And as opposed to what the media gives you is this is just happening today sort of stuff. And we're bumbling down through time. And we're living, too, in an incredible age of corruption, open corruption. Now, corruption's always been here, especially from the guys at the top that own you, basically, because you are owned, whether you like it or not, through umpteen different crashes in the past, bank crashes, and, uh, and sharp finagling by lawyers and governments on behalf of the bankers who run the whole kit and caboodle, and we're owned lock, stock, and barrel. Owned so badly, in fact, you'll never get out of debt. And they keep telling us how much individually we all owe for all these wars across the world to bring in, you know, the world society for the greater good and all that kind of stuff. But you often wonder... How low can they go? And, and there's no, no, there's no depth not low enough for these characters to go to. And I mean that in the health areas and all the different areas, there's just no, there's nowhere they wouldn't plunge to for a massive profit if they can get away with it, hopefully quietly. But it's all in your face today because a society, a generation was, was raised on the principle of dog eat dog, moral relativity, no right or wrong. And the only right was to simply get to the top by any means possible. And you're seeing it burst out all over with the guys at the top, even the recent ones with the bankers. That generation of bankers have plundered the whole planet. And no one's in jail for it. They plundered the planet, folks. And the taxpayers had to bail them all out. And they're still running the show. Anyway, tap water straight from the mains, the mains water supply sold on shelves at Asda and Tesco, big chains over in the UK. 
and says what appears good value is tap water marked up 2,500%. That's not a bad deal, eh? And as admitted, it had filtered Yorkshire water. It says uh, supermarkets are selling bottled tap water to millions of unsuspecting customers. This is just an example. This is why I'm reading this bit of rubbish here, because it's an example of how, how bad it is today. It says every, everyday value still water and Asda smart price still water are sitting on shelves alongside big brands of mineral water such as Evian and Perrier. However, there's no explanation on the label of these supermarket brands that the contents are simply tap water. On the face of it, the supermarket water, which costs 17 pence for a two-liter bottle, offers remarkable value compared with the big brands. In reality, it's no more than a filtered version of the mains water that comes out of the tap at a cost of just a third of a penny a litre. So that's just a little example of the incredible things that are going on with open corruption everywhere you look. Right down to local councils, squandering money like you wouldn't believe too on strange stuff, and even investing your cash overseas, your town councils. And they never ever see where it all goes, all the markups they make. We've all heard about the, the LIBOR scandal, for instance, and the LIBOR scandal was to do with rate fixing amongst the big banking boys. And what's their answer to it? Here's their answer that the bankers came up with. They could always turn a crisis into their favour, you see. Since banks are plotting to use a parliamentary inquiry into their bad behaviour as of a, of a way of imposing account fees on customers, who always pays for everything. It's always the customers, right? So members of Parliament and peers on a commission set up to examine the recent LIBOR scandal will be approached by financial institutions this week which will argue in favour of introducing current account changes. And it says... um. Several banks are expected to make the case that free accounts... Now, there's no such thing as you know as a free account. You get charged for everything that you do in a bank. Everything. Not only that, when you put money into a bank, that night it's already across the world somewhere being invested somewhere else but for, for a massive amount in some third world country. It's got a bad debt record. Or across Europe, even with bad debt records. They're downgraded. Massive, you know, 110, 140% interest. I mean, it's just something else. But you've already paid for it. So their answer is to charge you more and more uh, for your bank, holding your bank accounts in the, these banks and so on. Not the big boys, of course, but you. Says Santander is believed to be keen to introduce the fees and expected to make its case to the Parliamentary Commission on Banking Standards on the disadvantages of free accounts, as they call it, free accounts. I, I don't know anybody's got a free account. Critics fear the joint commission set up after Barclays admitted it attempted to rig the later LIBOR lending rates could now turn into a free for all uh, for banks to ram through account fees. Well, of course it will. And here's Sir David Walker, Barclays' new chairman. He said the scandals were a consequence of not charging for bank accounts. He said in the principle he agreed with charging fees. And what he said about it was, you see, he says, um, Andrew Tyree, who's there too, who's heading the commission as a supporter for, of an end for free banking, has described the concept of free accounts as a myth. One source close to the commission said, I'm very happy the banks are going to engage in this issue until people fully understand what the, barking, that the banking service they're paying for actually costs. We will not have real competition. See, it's all of you guys that don't understand the, the real the real cost of running a bank, you know, is to dish out billions uh, every year uh, to, to the guys at the top just for extra bonuses. 
You just don't understand the cost of this. All your fault at the bottom. This is this will never change. Understand? Never change. Because see, the bankers run the world, and these are the, these are the lower bankers. Even the ones I'm mentioning here, these are the lower ones, not the big ones. You know, the, the 13 banking families that lend to nations and run it all. And they lend what to nations? It's just blips on a screen now. They got it, they got it made up. And they can't lose. Nothing will change, by the way. Nothing at all until a completely new system is forced into being. And it would have to be forced because they ain't going to volunteer it for you. Now back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and Bill Gates and the New Malthusians. Good article. It says, to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the first eugenics conference. That's what it was for, to commemorate the first eugenics conference 100 years ago. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation put on a family planning conference in London last month. The conference, which began on, on 11th of July, was co-hosted by the UK Department for International Development, included amongst its coalition partners such organisations as Planned Parenthood, the Murray Stopes International and the United Nations Population Fund, which means depopulation for those who don't quite get it, because everything is double speak, you see, in this world. And it says, from hard eugenics to soft eugenics, the original conference that Bill Gates wished to commemorate was titled the First International Eugenics Congress. It was convened in London from 24th to 29th of July, 1912, the first one, and presided over by Leonard Darwin, the son of Charles Darwin, one of the few that survived because they were so interbred, the Darwin family with the Wedgwood family. Only, I think only one or two of them lived out of ten. Anyway, it says, and dedicated to Charles Darwin's half-cousin, Francis Galton. Galton invented the term eugenics to describe the theory that man could be perfected through strategic breeding. His ideas that certain races are genetically superior to others had a profound impact on later Nazi theorists. This is um, the 1912 conference included an exhibit by the, Arch- the American Breeders Association, whose former president Harry Lachlan proposed to eradicate inferior members of society through compulsory sterilization. The conference featured a presentation from Bleeker Van Wagenen, who gave a report on the progress of sterilization laws in the United States and advocated compulsory sterilization as a means for improving the, the human gene pool. Early 20th century eugenics theory was often accompanied by the notion that economics can be improved by decreasing the surplus population. Such ideas were based on the theories of Thomas Malthus, who had lived from 1766 to 1834, and who suggested that the poor were draining the world's resources. One of Malthus's solutions for reducing their surplus population was to introduce policies specifically designed to bring death to large numbers of peasants. For example, he encouraged poor people to live near swamps, to build them houses near swamps for the poor, because he knew they'd catch disease there and begin dying off. The conference that the Gates Foundation put on last month to commemorate the first International Eugenics Congress included no calls for forced sterilization, but Bill and Melinda Gates did pledge hundreds of millions of dollars to improve access to contraception in the developing world. Remember, two abortion was under contraception too. 
following the, in the footsteps of early uh, and sterilization too, too, I should say that too. Following the footsteps of early 20th century social engineering theory, they killed Malthus by suggesting that we have an economic responsibility to ensure that there are fewer people. Wendy Wright has rightly called this the latest effort to blame children for poverty and women's troubles. Bill Gates is quick to repudiate his dependence on Malthus. In an interview with PBS, he told Moyers that uh, the one issue that really grabbed me as urgent were issues related to population, and he shared how originally he thought that the Malthusian principles applied, at least in the developing countries. Gates went on to see how he came to understand that essentially Malthus was wrong and that alternatives to Malthus' doomsday scenarios included raising wealth, improving health and educating women. But we should not be too quick to assume that Bill and Melinda Gates have completely abandoned the Malthusian framework. On the contrary, Mr. and Mrs. Gates have both frequently drawn attention to the economic ramifications of there being too many people. This was made explicit by Melinda Gates in 2011 when she commented that government leaders are now beginning to understand that providing access to contraceptives is a cost-effective way to foster economic growth. So what exactly is the relation between contraception and economic growth? The connection is simple. Fewer people equals more resources. may not sound the hard eugenics of Malthus, but it certainly involves what Anderson Blom and James Bell have called soft negative eugenics. Blom and Bell define soft eugenics as follows. For economic reasons, governments should use taxpayer dollars to underwrite the decisions of citizens to pursue recreational sexual activity. The underlying economic assumption is that the prospective uh, children of the poorer citizens likely to utilize such government-funded programs would be likely to hamper economic growth if they were born. And then decreasing the surplus population, and it goes on in quite some depth. It's a good article. I'll put this up tonight, too, for those who can be bothered to look into uh, what they call negative topics. They like happy topics today, you know. They don't like negative stuff. They'll love being trained that way, mind you. And also, and uh, routers were hacked for the third time, they're claiming, uh, this month, it says. It says the planting of the false report followed two similar attacks earlier this month. First, a bogus piece stating that the Syrian rebels were retreating appeared in a blog run by the news agency. Then just days later, Reuters' Twitter feed was hijacked by it to post pro-Syrian government messages. So... Uh, they acknowledged the latest breach in a, sta- a statement that provided few clues about who carried out the latest breach or how the hack was pulled off. I find that kind of hard to believe, to be honest with you. But, but of course, hacking is all over the news right now. And of course, I've even pushed Assange up to the top there to bring in, obviously, a, a new situations, precedents, where he stood in front of uh, the Ecuadorian embassy, or actually in the, the balcony of it, and... Uh, and spoken against the system we already have. That sounds all nice and fair and all that. But he said he would take it to the world court if need be. Now, if he takes it to the world court, then countries don't have to then go through all the new internet laws one by one, giving yes or no. Because the world court they've all signed on to will give the ultimate decision. And if they rule that there should be more um, control over over um, internet providers and so on, more restraints, then that's automatically in the books of every country involved. There's something else going on here. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix And we've got Anthony hanging on from New York there Are, are you there, Anthony? Hello, Anthony How are you, sir? Um, I, I was uh, looking into something that was very interesting That uh, caught my eye, eye the other day uh, With regards to the Olympics And um, um, one of the individuals that won uh, for uh, the UK uh, she uh, is a member or, or was granted MBE, which is stands for the Member uh, Order, Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, something that I also noticed yeah. that um, um, Bill Gates is also an honorary member of. Uh, I don't know if you can go into what that is and um, how being a knight or a dame can still open doors for you in 2012, and what kind of doors does that open? Well, to get an order of the British Empire, you have to have already done some something to merit it, either financially, even some of the top pop musicians get it, but a lot of other people get it too for work they've done abroad, say, in some sort of uh, ambassadorial capacity um, or some big charity that's often again to do with depopulation or something like that, they'll, they'll get an order of the British Empire for serving the nation, they call it, and, uh, and bringing attention on that particular nation for doing so. So uh, even in, in Canada, you have the same thing. Um, all the British Empire countries, and this, there still is an empire, believe it or not, they don't talk about, they call it a commonwealth. They all have the same order uh, that they, they give on the, the top people who serve the system. And it's got to be for serving the system as it is, and not for a different system, but this system. They all, they all get these top awards, and, and that's really what it's for. And once you're into it, of course, it does open uh, big doors for you. Um, it's not quite as high as getting a, a peerage. But uh, it does open doors across the world for you because it's almost giving you a, a royal title of some kind and um, you get preferential treatment wherever you go. You'll walk through airports without being scanned, that kind of stuff, you know. Wow, wow. Because uh, I was wondering, you know, you, you opened up with Bill Gates. It was interesting because I was holding on the line there. And, and Bill Gates is actually one of these members that is into the um, eugenicist program. And, and, and it is amazing how he got that um, that honorary title uh, so so high in fact that I believe he's a commander, uh, uh, which is pretty yeah. which is second second to actually Grand Cross or uh, Dame Grand yes. Cross, which is very 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 interesting that he's got that kind of um, uh, title associated with him um, for someone who is not from the UK and for someone who also um, is not a British national. So it's very 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 interesting mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, and plus, you remember too, you, you remember too, a lot of Americans uh, now get these kind of orders given to them by Britain as well. Even though it's against the American Constitution to even knight someone from abroad. Um, by, by, well, Kissinger and all these boys, uh, Giuliani, they all got knighted by the Queen. And so they all go over to, to London and get knighted. And uh, they've been doing that for many, many years now. So lots of your top guys running the U.S. Have, are, are already knights of the British Empire. Yeah. And, and is that still connected to what you, you opened with earlier today with regards to um, the eugenics program and all these other different foundations that have been around but under different names? Is that is that connected to some of that stuff? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The uh, fantastic history just with um, 
the one main big organization everyone knows the names of, and that's the, the, for Britain, for, from the city of London, it was, it was bankers who formed it, uh, it was, uh, um, you get the Royal Institute for International Affairs. It's a private organization which has a royal charter to exist and have its power. It also uh, was, uh, even its headquarters became the head of the OSS during the war because they were already the secret service across the world, made up of journalists and, and people of all kinds across the planet. And then they made their American counterpart the Council on Foreign Relations. And uh, they be, now they have departments across the whole planet. You have all the top European uh, parliamentarians are all part of the European Council on Foreign Relations, for instance, and that's run by George Soros, who also was a member of it. So uh, this this one organization runs um, uh, the, the whole planet, and they've said for a 100 years they're going to bring in a world government, but not any old world government, a world government where uh, the ones at the top who've proven their eugenical abilities uh, by keeping hold of money for generations and doing the wise things, and their offspring doing the same, then they have the natural right to rule the world and, and work it the way it should be run. And what they mean by that is it's not going to be left up to personal choice what you do or work at or anything like that. You've already got school-to-work programs. That's this is all part of the same system. And they also work with the communist system. Carol Quigley, who was a historian for the same organization, said, we're often mistaken for communists. He says, because we have the same goals but also slightly different goals as well, but the same goals, including the dissolution of the family for all those down below, um, a kind of brave new world scenario type uh, system you bring in. And so that's only one of the many that they have. Now, the same relationship for international affairs have literally hundreds, they employ hundreds of think tanks that really are the think tanks that work with all the, the secret services across the planet. Uh, but right down, to, as I say, to even minutely altering the culture step by step to achieve all their goals. They have destroyed not just family, but communities. And so there's no one to stand up against them now, you understand. A man will only stand up against something and fight for something if he has something. When they don't have that anymore, they won't stand up and fight. And H.G. Wells, who was a propagandist for the same organization in the early 1900s, said, when government can talk down to you directly... He says, with nobody to stand around and help you out, he says, then government is in its proper place, and so is the peasant. So we're here. <laughs> we're here. We're, we're, we've, they've achieved their goals, basically. And, and what they say at the top, too, in the Council on Foreign Relations is the, the end justifies the means. They have been behind wars. Quigley was, was their historian. They started off the Boer War. And then they blamed the Boers in order to get the British army in so they could take it over. And they've been doing the same thing ever since, uh, including all the wars we're going through right now. So um, what can you do when you have a, a powerful people, a bunch of people at the top, who literally are the establishment? They are the establishment, you know. And you don't vote them in. And they're not responsible for them. They're not responsible to you. You don't vote them in. Uh, but these same guys admit that they've given you every president and prime minister uh, for the last hundred years. Every one. doesn't matter what party they belong to. So that's where you're stuck with this one system uh, that runs everything and brings on the wars. They, they own the media and, uh, and quickly again goes through all of that, the history of them owning the media. 
So our thoughts come from them, our opinions come from them. All your top anchors on television are part of and they belong to the same organization. Uh, it's a controlled system as it is for mind control, basically. You can't get any independent news on anything, and that's the problem. Yeah. Incredible. And Africa in general, um, I didn't realize um, that they had so much of a thriving industry way before colonization. Uh, in the 17 and 1800s that they had even um, schools out in Mali and Timbuktu that could actually rival and was even better than Oxford um, at, at a particular point in time. How did they get subdued so quickly? What was the, the turning point that pushed them into just getting colonized? And, and now to this day, they can't take use of their regular natural resources, and they're pretty locked down, and there's a huge big fight between America and China. Uh, and some other, mm-hmm. and even Australia, from what I understand. I remember actually yeah. uh, going to a professional sports tryout, and the Navy, the Navy SEALs were there because they did not have enough um, African-American or black Africans in their um, regime, and they were trying to recruit, uh, basically, uh, people that have, obviously, some athletic um, ability and um, some decent um, uh, ability, because when you play sports, you know how to follow orders. And, um, and they wanted to bring in some more people because I guess they wanted to, they said basically if, if a Caucasian goes there, they stick out. So they needed more people um, that, of a certain shade to come in and to help dominate in that area. Uh, what was that? What was that, uh, that breaking point between colonization that actually just subdued everyone? It isn't just colonization. What it is, is, and Britain again is a great example of how it's done. Uh, how the, 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 for instance, that's how they unified India. They, they kept uh, arming uh, sides, little factions that never fought before, causing friction. They, they paid the, the guys well, the provocateurs, trained them too. And and then out of it, of course, Britain would come in and, and say, well, there's got to be peace here, so we'll rule you. And then they would spread on to the next tribes again and, and get them all fighting each other. This is the oldest, oldest trick in the book. There's a good movie, it was called... Um, Burn, B-U-R-N, Burn, uh, with Marlon Brando uh, about the provocateurs in the 18th century. It's so well done and based basically on truth. And uh, you got to see it, how the technique is, is used. Very old. But Britain did it across Africa as well. And, uh, I mean, Africa's been plundered many, many, many times over. And uh, personally, I think that's that's the goal they want. If you look what they've done, for instance... Uh, in the Middle East and Kissinger said before they went into Iraq, he said I would prefer, he says, if we can start uh, arming different factions like the Kurds, etc. inside Iraq and keep them fighting forever amongst themselves, then they're helpless and the big corporations can move in, pay the head the headmen uh, a paltry sum and, and just take all the, the, the minerals and, and oil and that out of the country. Well, that's happened but that's because, and, and he is a geopolitician, he studies all this stuff down through history, and he, he knows the British system too. And uh, so that's what they're doing in Africa as well. You get them all fighting each other, uh, ultimately, and they're helpless. And, uh, I mean, De Beers and all these big companies are still running uh, South Africa today, and even paying some less money than they were before. But uh, they'll keep them all different factions fighting, and... Um, and that way they simply pay, you don't have to pay a country big taxes anymore, you pay the local uh, head guys that are in charge of the big gangs a paltry sum, they're quite happy with that. 
It's far, far cheaper for the guys who are looting the country, mineral resources, uh, oil and everything else, and gold and silver and diamonds. So it's divide and conquer and keep them all fighting themselves forever. That's the standard technique. Very old, very old. Incredible, incredible. Uh, a shell corporation has a very huge um, uh, connection, uh, actually a huge uh, um, uh, sway and power over in that region, that region in general, which is very, very uh, amazing, very, very amazing. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I remember uh, taking a ride with someone who is, was from Somalia, and they were saying that they actually even take certain types of um, uh, plant life from the sea area, one of the richest coasts out there, and they've been plundering mm-hmm. something crazy like $310 million worth of um, uh, of uh, seafood for the past, yes. the past 10, 12, 10, 20 years. Um, uh, very wide coast, the widest coast in Africa, as wide as it is from Florida to California. That's how wide the coast of Somalia is. And it's very, 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 very interesting, some of the stuff that's been going on over there. Uh, yeah, you brought, yes. you brought to light a lot. Uh, it, it is a one-world empire with many different arms to it, which is very, very interesting. Many arms to it. And even the east coast of Africa, too, if you're down the east coast, uh, they survive either on tourism or export, ex- exporting the, the, the small things that they, they make or have or resources that they have too. And they get very little back for, uh, for it. And they're not putting in the education, of course. If, if anything, see, war destroys the schools and education, etc. And that's what they want you once again. Um, people who are pretty illiterate think about basic things, just surviving, and, and they don't realize they're all getting used. And, and really abused as well in the process. But there's an old technique, a very old technique. As I say, you've got to see that movie. It's called Burn uh, with Marlon Brando because it's based on facts which the British actually did uh, with some of the Caribbean countries. And he, he goes through the technique of how you manipulate, you pick a leader who thinks he's going to free the people and how you use them. And then, of course, you bring in your own armies at the end. It's the standard, standard stuff. But you go back to even... Uh, Charles Galton Darwin, because he's the big key to this. Nothing happens by chance. These guys literally planned all of this, including your your culture today, was planned a hundred years ago. How they were dead on with the culture they'd have today, with mass abortions in first world countries, uh, um, people who couldn't mate and stay together because they would separate mating, the mating instinct, the bonding instinct from the, the sexual act. They wrote about this, how they do it. They've done it all, and. Um, when you go into the writings of Francis Galton, he actually said that uh, it would be far better, we'll try different people, he says, but eventually we might, we might bring in the Chinese to rule Africa. That's what he said. Wow. And that's what you've got happening now. Wow. And this was 100 yeah. years ago. That's right. Over 100 years, yeah. So, which means that, they, that they've studied this, um, and I'm thinking whether it was between the European, I mean, whether it was between Roman or Egyptian um, maybe writings and manuscripts, because I would not be surprised in some of these areas that they've um, gone into recently between Iraq and ancient Babylonia, that they've taken up some scribes, um, some, some materials, some manuscripts, some papyrus, um, that they'll be able to study and see some of the habits that they've gone on. They've studied this kind of behavior before, and, they, and they've, they've um, mm-hmm. seen this in action before in the past, maybe. Is that correct? That's right. And when you look at... I mean, the State Department employing guys like uh, philosophers, historians like Carl Quigley uh, to train them in all of this stuff because that's what he was, his speciality. Who worked, he worked for the Council of Foreign Relations. 
as the historian for them. And he said there is an alternative version of history, says it's ours. But he did say that um, he was employed by the State Department training lots and lots of them because he understood the techniques that had been used down through the centuries and uh, to dominate different kinds of people, how well it worked or how badly it worked. And uh, and so they, they employ big think tanks like the Brookings Institution and others, many other ones, and they actually go into the cultures, the natures of the cultures, how easily it is to defeat them in one battle. If you do it in one battle, they won't fight again. Other ones will keep fighting you. They've got us all down. Everybody, every ethnic group is sussed out to the, to the nth degree. You wouldn't believe it. And that's how they do things. And But they, as I say, Francis Galton said, yeah, we could bring in the Chinese and they would run it more efficiently for us down the road. And it, that, he said that in the late 1800s. Yeah. Wow. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the enlightenment. Definitely Thanks for coming. To, um, look into some of your yeah. uh, materials. Thanks again. Yeah. Have Take a good care. And, um, you know, when you, when you see the trivia stuff that's put out on media, and it's more than just trivia. Remember they said at the League of Nations, precursor of the United Nations, same thing about having to destroy family unit and even sexual relationships between men and women, especially bonding, separated from the bonding part, then they wouldn't have children. And that's why they also said that they would push the homosexual system across the world as well. A hundred years ago they said this, and Canada warns gay travelers to Russia that uh, Russia's banned the homosexual propaganda. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we're talking about this big system that we're born into that's incredibly, it's run microscopically, in fact, in every single department of humanity by big, massive organizations that have incredible funding. And uh, they plan the future to make sure that they themselves and their offspring will be in charge of the future. That's why you never lose control of, of time when you are the powerful. That's how it's been for an awful long time. But as I say, the Department of Foreign Affairs Canada warning gay travelers to tread carefully in St. Petersburg in advance of the Russian city's incoming laws banning homosexual propaganda. And you understand, every country is putting funds out there using your tax money and putting special groups across the world to alter their systems as well. Just like we do the color revolutions across the Middle East, billions have been paid to get mercenaries across the Middle East to get all the wars started and to agitate and so on. And then before that too, we put hundreds and hundreds of people in to the universities in those countries to start the propaganda there too. This happens all the time. That's how the world really, really runs because there's a big agenda at stake. And it's the same with homosexuality. So, so the vaguely written law cracking down on displays and perhaps even public discussions of homosexuality will come into effect in St. Petersburg on Saturday. And it gives you the, the fines and so on. And you've got to ask, why is your own country sending this kind of stuff over to other people? Anyway, I mean, organizations and funding them to do this. Big, big plans. Because see, everyone must be destroyed eventually for the new system that's coming in. And here's an article too about Canada supporting financially the Afghan rebels. And it says, it's a kind of fudge thing from Canada. They fudge things. The U.S. is better at it. 
and so is Britain. Britain's an expert at it. So it's probably a good thing that Canada's Department of Foreign Affairs wasn't in charge of covertly supporting the Afghan Mujahideen during the Cold War, given the DFAIT's clumsy attempts to channel aid to Syria this week. I'm not even sure an underage teenager hanging around the LCBO, that's your liquor licensing bureau, parking lot should trust Foreign Affairs Minister John Baird to secretly buy him booze. Last week, weekend, Canada announced it was providing $2 million to Canadian Relief for Syria, which is a sudden, it just popped out of nowhere, this Canadian Relief for Syria. A little-known group, they're brand new, with no previous international aid experience, no charitable status in Canada. The original press release said the ad, the aid would provide medical supplies for doctors and healthcare providers within Syria's borders. Well, that, that's what even Bill Gates' bunch say too, medical supplies for women and so on. You know, as they go in and massacre and sterilize people. The announcement struck a non-partisan tone. Canada calls on signs of the conflict to immediately allow humanitarian access so that access or assistance reaches those most in need, it says. And it's from Maclean's magazine. And it says, um, eventually when you scroll down to it, you find out, no, they're putting it directly, you know, through all these different means, but really directly to the Syrian rebels that are all mercenaries and they're paid for by the West. That's a small sum. Obviously, they've been giving them lots of money through other means as well and getting it to them. But, and, and ammunition as well, obviously, because those guys over there are not short of ammunition of any kind whatsoever. In fact, they're, they're all trained in Qatar. That's a big, big base for operations throughout the Middle East for the West. But anyway, it says, when questioned about Canada's funding of CRS, Prime Minister Stephen Harper said Canadian officials had exercised due diligence investigating the group. And a foreign affairs spokesman stressed no money would go to Human Concern International. And then out came later the fact that, yep, it's going to the rebels. So the article actually says, okay, fund Syria's rebels, but be honest about it from Yahoo News. See, you're living in incredible deception on every single topic and front. Incredible deception. That's what it's all about. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.